Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, Recorded live. A-U-N. American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human god to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human god, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar, the public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Hey, thanks, everyone. We are very honored to have back for our discussion tonight Alexandra Hunter. Lexi is her is her nickname, and Patrick Roddy. They were on the call with us uh, right before they were heading to Paris for the World Climate Conference uh, that relates to this global climate treaty that they're trying to uh, enact sometime later this year or next year. Uh, Patrick and Alexandra were accompanied by Olga Rappa, who is also on that call, and Terry Lawton, who is also with us, among others. Michael Murphy, I believe, was out there as well. Uh, they documented, they spoke, they raised questions, they interacted, they passed out hundreds of documents and testified to what uh, they have been witnessing and we've all been witnessing uh as we look up in the skies and wonder what is going on. And uh, each one of us has an opportunity to share and ask these simple questions, but uh, 
people like Patrick and Alexandra have really dug in and uh, assembled and documented uh, a very uh, breathtaking amount of material and research. Uh, it's available in, in the public domain, but they've gathered it together, they've articulated it, they've presented it, and they have been our voice at these conferences. Last week, on August 11th, Patrick Roddy flew uh, all the way to Washington, D.C. to attend uh, a hearing uh, at the Environmental Protection Agency on commercial aircraft emissions, and he'll be talking about that as well. Uh, these examples uh, wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for people generously donating at their various GoFundMe sites uh, for uh, the cost to get Patrick and get Alexandra and Terry and Olga uh, out to these places. And uh, so please uh, go to those links that we provided in the newsletter and, and drop drop a check or drop a $5, 10 $20, whatever you can afford, and then please pass that and post that on your Facebook page. Patrick, thank you for coming on. And, and Alexandra, I've been really impressed by uh, what you guys did out there in Paris how you've documented this, uh, uh, both on Facebook and around the Internet. And, Patrick, your website is fabulous. And the stuff that uh, you all are doing to get the word out about uh, the tyranny of our skies is, is very gratifying. We really appreciate all of your hard work and, and efforts. And I know, uh, Alexander, you kind of took the lead the last time you were on with us, so feel free to uh, chime in here and, and take the lead again. Thank you again, both of you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Okay. Well, so are, are ladies going to go, go first, Patrick, or do you want to speak? Um, well, I guess I'll go, I suppose. So um, this climate conference in Paris uh, in July was the last major conference before the IPCC meets this de November, December. And for years they've been trying to uh, insert uh, language that would give the go-ahead for geoengineering research or somehow a way of opening up as an option uh, to basically spray the crap out of it. But since they've been doing it for so long, and um, they, their only excuse for doing it is, oh, cause the, oh, to save us all from global warming. And unfortunately for them, it hasn't really been warming since the late 90s. There's the, I mean, even the head of the IPCC talks about this pause, which was confirmed by the UK Met Office. So their window for being able to sell this thing is is closing by the minute. And yes, they're they're, they're now they've switched over to you know, extreme weather, or you know, you know, like sort of storms and floods and so on, which of course you can generate with this uh, weather manipulation technology. Um, but I, I, they're they're feeling a little desperate, I think. And I've just been sh I've, I've been staggered at the progress that's been made in the last few months, even because you have this uh, conference. Oh, by the way, what I did sorry, what I did for the conference, uh, I just wrote wrote this paper. It's called "Human Health Impact of Proposed Geoengineering Solutions," and the uh, the geoengineers. When they're in public, they'll only talk about sulfate, sulfate or sulfuric acid. Uh, but if anyone who does even the slightest bit of research can find that they themselves are saying, yeah, it doesn't work. You know, it, it, sulfates stick together. They're the wrong shape. 
They fall out of the sky and they're ineffective for solar, radi- solar radiation management. Instead, you've got to use particulate um, aluminum, barium, strontium, and other things. And it's, David Keith is one of the main cheerleaders for this. He, he wrote a paper in, 20, in 2010 saying this very thing, and, uh, and other scientists have also re- reinforced this thing. So my paper was just saying, well, okay, they're proposing spraying aluminum and barium. What happens when you breathe in aluminum and barium? You get Alzheimer's, respiratory failure. And then I just got the CDC statistics and showed Alzheimer's, you know, it's gone from nothing to the sixth leading cause of death. Um, and respiratory failure has overtaken stroke uh, to be the third leading cause of death when the stroke and heart attack numbers should go up when you have particulate pollution because particulate pollution gets inside your... Uh, your your uh, uh, circulatory system, your you know your your blood your your blood vessels, causes clots and causes heart attack and stroke. So, this is a massive devastation of human health. Um, that's also what I uh, brought to the EPA. And the EPA thing, that was incredible. So, after the Paris thing, we went down to Max Bliss's place in the south of France. We did some interviews and so on down there. And um, the night before I left Max's place, uh, Jim Lee had posted this thing on on Facebook because the EPA wants to regulate regulate carbon dioxide. You know, they're already doing it with power plants and cars and so on, but they hadn't. They, they, they were just, it was basically a power grab to get the power to regulate aircraft emissions as well, but they did not want the likes of Max, me, and some other people showing up and asking, you know, difficult questions. So instead of posting it on their on the EPA website, they just stuck it on some obscure FTP server, thinking no one was going to see it. Unfortunately, there are hackers and white hat anonymous types in the world, and one of them found it, told Jim Lee. Jim Lee told everybody else, and we all showed up in Washington, and they were not happy. It was. Well, I, I'm, I'm very happy with that. So, yeah. And, uh, oh, and also, I mean, other things. I mean, I've been... Um, I live in San Francisco, and we have a, uh, a, a free paper here. It's called SF Weekly, and it's a corporate-owned paper owned by the same people who own the Village Voice. It has uh, 50,000 circulation. And some months ago, I was interviewed by this journalist, Jeremy Leibarger, who was doing a story on chemtrail activism here in, in the Bay Area. And he interviewed me for, at length and some other people. And I'd, I'd asked him, oh, um, you know, when's this article going to appear? And he wrote back saying, hey, I've been hired as a managing editor of SF Weekly to be the cover story in the August 20th edition. Today, it came out. And 60,000 copies have gone out. And it's not a hit piece. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not perfect. I didn't write it. And, you know, it does sort of slightly suggest I'm a bit crazy. But it, do, it actually presented both sides of the argument. And I had um, another interview. I mean, I was, uh, the, when I was getting ready for the, um, the e, if I had to head off to the EPA thing, um, uh, the guy who... 
interviewed Ken Caldera back in 2006 about the, um, you know, the putting the pathogens in the cloud thing. He, uh, he, he works at a, a Pacifica radio station in New York, and he interviewed me, and that got broadcast last Friday, and it was on the collective, no, not the um, Dark Matter Radio today. And I don't know, it just feels there's just this momentum building. Uh, it, the word is getting out. They're not, they just can't get the cat back into the bag. And, of course, the shields are all bent out of shape about it. And it was funny. I actually heard from a good source that when Ken, Ken Calder was actually quoted in this SF Weekly article, and he's spitting feathers. He's just really, he doesn't know what to do. And so, yeah, th th things, things are rolling along, and uh, it's getting better and better. So, yeah. Lexi? Well, I, Patrick, this last week I had a, uh, a, a lady who's um, a, a lawyer who was interviewing for a job at the EPA here in Chicago, and uh, had a really, really interesting interaction with her as, as well. And uh, you know, every opportunity I, I can, I, I try to, to raise the questions, uh, you know, just simple answers that we all don't know about uh, what is coming from the tail end of these planes. Uh, mm -hmm. I would like I would like to know. Uh, could it be measured? Well, I think it can be measured. Well, um, so this is something that's important because whenever you post something online about hey, what are these lines in the skies? You, immediately you'll get um, these chills show up and say, oh no, those are just those are just condensation trails. It's not, it's not. There's no such thing as a chemtrail. It's a condensation trail. You'll, you, and you'll say, yes, you're right. It is a condensation trail. It's an artificially nucleated condensation trail because water needs something to condense onto, and, and these particles are what's, what's being uh, condensed onto. And actually, I should also go back to the uh, EPA thing. One of the, the way they phrased, there's a proposal for them to regulate greenhouse gases from the planes. And the title of the thing was, um, I forget, but it says, you know, the, the possible human health impact of the greenhouse gas emissions from planes affecting public health. Uh, and they were maybe hoping that that would stop us being able to talk about the stuff that's getting sprayed. But unfortunately for them, water is the most significant greenhouse gas there is because clouds make the nights warmer. You know, in a cloudy day, it's cool. Yeah. And the reverse, and the reverse is true. So they exactly. have to address that. So I, I catch my, my, my testimony in terms of, yeah, this stuff is working as a greenhouse gas and it is having this effect. And, uh, again, they, I think we call them a bit flat-footed. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I just talk, just I, I just talk to everyone, and also the awareness is really skyrocketing. I mean, there's people. I mean, a year ago, you ask ten people, maybe one or you know one or two notes, like three or four, will know uh, at least heard about it. I mean, everyone you talk to knows the skies look weird. I mean, that that that, that that's a given. But the, the the message that hey there may maybe there may be this uh, program going on uh, that is 
getting up to, I, I think, of getting up to the uh, awareness where GMO was about four or five years ago. So, yeah, they can't, again, they can't put that genie back in the bottle. So, yay. <laughs> now, 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 Patrick and Alexandra, uh, the, the severe force of these weather systems is just, uh, it's just really incredible. The, earlier this week, we had here in Chicago just another another massive case of, of just almost like apocalyptic type of rain. Mm-hmm. And isolated in these places, we're getting golf ball plus size hail that is mm-hmm. all of a sudden appearing totally out of the blue. We're talking about mid-late July, early August, mid-August. And, and you know, these, these are big chunks of ice that are falling to the ground mm-hmm. and uh, destroying cars and houses and buildings. And uh, it's, it, it, it has to be due to this rapidly nucleated uh, effect of, of, of the high, I wouldn't even say high altitude, it's just w- what they're spraying out there, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's all kinds of ways of doing stuff. I mean, the RAF... Um, we're doing weather modification tests in over Lynmouth in England in the 50s, and they caused these massive floods, and a bunch of people died, and that got declassified. I mean, they've been playing with the weather forever. I mean, like I said, the earliest patent goes back to 1920. So another thing, Shields will say, oh, look, here, here's a long trail from, you know, 30 years ago. So, oh, yeah, but the patent, patent goes back to the 20s. I mean, they, 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 didn't, they didn't all do it in a test tube at first and then finally wait for the late 90s and deploy it. So, yeah, the, the, it, 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 it's, it's entertaining to see the desperation in the shields. You know, it's, uh, I, you know, it's, um, you know I, th- I really do think we're winning. You know, it's, who knows? We'll see, you know, late, later down the line. You know, what, whatever seeds we plant today, May come out later, but going back to the um, the weather modification stuff and the weird weather, they have to use some way of scaring us into buying into this carbon tax. Um, freaky weather, which will always say, "Oh, it's because of climate change." Uh, that's the only way they have left because the winters are getting colder. You yeah. know, there's, there's no question about that. They, I mean, we've had like five <laughs> brutal winters in a row. And when someone says, you know, oh, hey, you have to pay more for your carbon taxes because of the greenhouse, you know, because it's sort of global warming when they're still shoveling snow out of their driveway in June, that's the hard sell. So, um, and I, I wrote this uh, on my, yeah, I have this website, stopspraying-sf.com, and I wrote an article uh, on there last year called Selling Chemtrails, and when I talk about how, how essential the, the CO2 thing is for the plans of the people who think they should, they should run the joint, and it, actually, it dates back to, I don't know if I mentioned it on, on, the, on, the, on the last thing, but um, technocracy is a central thing in what the powers that shouldn't be are up to. And that dates back to the 1930s. In the 1930s, there was a crackpot movement called the, the technocracy movement. And their idea was to uh, cha- change the governance of the world, get rid of, because they thought like, people are too stupid to figure out who to uh, lead them. It was best to have ex- experts running things, technocrats. And if you look in Europe right now, 
a lot of the prime ministers are appointed and call themselves technocrats. Anyway, back to uh, the 30s. They also wanted to replace, uh, have an entirely new economic system, get rid of currency, get rid of supply and demand, you know, I'll trade this chicken for that bale of hay kind of thing, and instead replace it with energy credits. And this is back in the 30s, and now we have carbon credits. But um, for that system to work, you needed to have a, uh, a complete comprehensive inventory of all human resources and um, uh, basically everything that we do. And that, well, you couldn't do that before high-speed uh, high computing and the, and the Internet, but now you can to a larger degree. You're seeing more home automation, the smart appliances. Like any time you hear smart and sustainable, that's Agenda 21. Anyway, the technocrats got laughed off the public stage in the 30s, but in 1970, Zbigniew Brzezinski, who became uh, Jimmy Carter's um, national security advisor, wrote this book, Between Two Ages, excuse me, America in the Technotronic Era, in which he basically rehashes the uh, technocracy agenda, including rule by experts and all that kind of stuff. And it was on the basis of that, David Rockefeller tapped him on the shoulder, formed the Trilateral Commission, with him and Brzezinski as the two founding partners. And in NN76, uh, when Jimmy Carter comes comes in, into office, no one had heard of him before, but he was a member of the Trilateral Commission, and he stacked like 30 members of the Trilateral Commission onto his his cabinet, his government. And out of that came Agenda 21 through the the roundtable groups like the, the Club of Rome, who were talking about, oh yeah, to, to uh, in searching for to unite us, we came up with the idea that, you know, and, and global warming and such would fit the bill. And so Agenda 21 signed into law, well, well, it was signed by President Bush Sr. at the Earth Summit in 92, and the rest is history. But what, what Agenda 21 wants to do is to monitor, control, and limit all resources, including food, energy, water, and ultimately us. And to do that, it needs complete monitoring of everything. And it's basically a, you know, it's a creepy scientific dictatorship, and I want no part of it. Although I will use the smartphones to share, you know, stuff about chemtrails and stuff. You know, you use what you have. But, uh, and, and also, the, the, the um, limiting of the resources, we've seen major energy sources being reduced and under attack. The, uh, you had the you had coal-powered plants being shut down, oil being demonized. Oh, the Keystone XL is the worst thing ever. Uh, natural gas is being made to look bad because of the fracking. Because, I mean, the easiest way to frack, the cheapest way to frack is to use seawater. Because there's, there's tons of that, you know, just like inject that down. Instead, they're using these highly toxic chemicals, which poisons uh, natural aquifers, which raises the value of the prices of the the, uh, the privatized clean water things. Um, 
And the well, geoengineering is the cause of the California drought. And it's actually, and it, this is quite simple. Uh, rain, for rain to fall, it starts with a bit of pollen or dust or whatever. Uh, water vapor will condense onto it and make this little tiny water droplet. And eventually enough water will attach onto it. So gravity will take over. It'll fall out of suspension and come down as, you know, rain, snow, golf, golf balls, hailstones, whatever. And when these, these characters who are talking, talking about these proposals to spray us with all this stuff, they talk about, oh, yeah, we want maybe tens of, tens of millions of tons of this stuff per year. But the particle size, it's, it's uh, like the one, the particles David Keith talked about in his 2010 paper, they're, they're five nanometers across. So you can get a million of them into a grain of sand, well, into one square millimeter. So you multiply that by, you know, tens of millions of tons, you get a whole lot of these uh, condensation nuclei. So when you spray all this stuff out on top of any uh, approaching storm front, it acts like a big sponge. The, the, there's not enough moisture in the air to take take the particles up to the size where rain, you know, gravity takes over and it becomes rain. But on the flip side of that, the water's still up there. And as it slowly goes across the continental United States, picking up, you know, picking up more moisture, when it does rain, it's a crap load. So you have, like those massive floods you had in the, uh, that flood out in the Mississippi a few years ago, all those things are, are you know, could be, and I suspect were caused by geoengineering. And they're really, really ramping up the um, the frequency of this stuff. And like I, I, I take these time lapses every day out of my uh, apartment here in San Francisco, and it's just like more days than not they're spraying. It used to be once every few days you'd see something, but now it's, it's like two out of three days. Sometimes you'll get a little break for a week or so, but that's, that's becoming more and more rare. They've just really dialed it up to 11, and people are noticing. And uh, So they, they, that's why they, uh, they have to get some sort of international agreement on it. And also, they've got to sell it to the public. And while they're still denying it, if people remember them saying, oh, oh no, 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 you're, those are just a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists doing that, when they actually come out and say, you know, actually, we were doing it, but uh, it's for your own good. People will remember, oh, hey, weren't you, so you're saying you're full of crap because you were lying all this time, and now you're saying uh, what, what you want to do is actually a good thing? We don't buy it. And in fact, Ken Caldera, my BFF, the one who, who talks about putting pathogens in the cloud, he was a... a it was, at, it was at the Commonwealth Club uh, a few months ago here in San Francisco, and he was saying that, you know, the public, were, when, they, when they heard about, you know, the, during the Bush administration, all the spying and the torture and stuff, they were all okay with that. So I think if we told the people, if, if the public were told 
that we've been putting diamonds in the sky for the last decade to save them from global warming, they'd mostly be okay with it. And I say, oh, hell no, because sure, a lot of people, you know, your, your sports fans and the people who are just wrapped up in their lives or, you know, the, you know, the middle chunk of the population just go along with whatever. But the, throughout human history, a determined minority has always prevailed. We're ruled by a determined minority. And we, I think we certainly have the numbers now to make a big impact. Of course, more will be better. And never stop educating because all these, um, for, for us to uh, approach this by um, like petitions and lawsuits and you know, through the, the normal channels, that's going, to be, that's going to be harder unless we have a whole lot of people behind this, um, which isn't to say don't do it. I mean, if, you, if your skill is, you know, getting legislation through or filing lawsuits or whatever, by all means do that. But um, I, I think our number one priority is education at this point. And uh, we are, I mean, we, 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 there's, we've, there's momentum. So, we, yeah, it, it's, it's looking good. But anyway, I've, I've, talked, I've talked long enough. Let's hear, let's hear from Lexi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. Okay. Are you still there? Yes, I am. Here I am. Um, <laughs> I wanted to come on this evening to give an accounting of some specific uh, things that happened at the Paris Climate Conference. And um, from some of the sessions that I attended, as well as my other co-activists. And on the first day, we attended a um, session there called Climate Change and Health, whereby Sir David King, who is the UK Foreign Secretary, in other words, he's a very high-ranking official in uh, England's government, uh, was there on the panel, as well oh, as... He, he, no, he, he was the Chief Advisor to the Foreign Secretary. Okay. Yeah, he was a civil servant. He wasn't a politician. The, the oh, civil servant, the, no, the civil servants stay there, but the, polit- the politicians come and go, but he's like a permanent secretary. Oh, he's but, a yeah, secretary he's, to the foreign secretary. Okay, thanks for yeah. that clarification, Patrick. And um, Mr. Nero was there, and he's with the World Health Organization out of Geneva, Switzerland. So Terry Lawton posed a question to... Um, uh, Sir David, and he really punted that. He did not answer the question. And um, I was allowed to get in the last question, and I asked him about geoengineering um, on the understanding that he's opposed to the issue. So he brilliantly explained to the audience what geoengineering is and that he is against um, that proposed mitigation strategy, quote-unquote. I mean, after the meeting, uh, Olga, Rafa, and I uh, both went and talked to the people on the panel and gave them her directive document and then my uh, report that I presented there. So every session that I went into, I went up and introduced myself to each of the panelists and gave them my report. Now, um, Fred um, and ladies and gentlemen, what happened on day two was a session called Early Warning for Threshold and Tipping Points in the Earth Systems, which was led by a guy by the name of Tim Lenton from the University of Exeter in England. 
And brilliantly, I have to say, Miss Olga Rafa is unbelievable what she did there. She started a dialogue there, inserting our issue about weather mod and geoengineering into the session. Olga is with climatechangesense.org out of England. And she posed the question of why ongoing weather mod and geoengineering programs globally aren't being taken into account um, and into consideration with all the research that all these climate scientists have done, as well as the IPCC. And again, this was something that was repeatedly done. Why is the IPCC had not taken into effect ongoing EMF programs that are heating the ionosphere and uh, the weather mod and geoengineering program. Um, so she stated that we noticed that the environment is being tipped by aerosols being dumped. Blocking the sun and aluminum is being noted in whales and um, bees, and that it's a military program. And she spoke about the fact that uh, EMF, cell towers, HARP, uh, are heating the atmosphere and ionosphere. Um, and they seem to be moving the jet streams. And she, again, reiterated, have they done any research on the tipping points this is doing and will cause in the future? So Lenton, this Tim Lenton from University of Exeter, uh, replied, not precisely those interventions. He said the risks outweigh the benefits of these types of proposals. Then, a few minutes later, brilliantly, now, remember, Ms. Rafa is the one that introduced our issue into this uh, Q&A session. A gentleman uh, by the name of Colin Pritchard from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland stated that Lenten actually preferred a global-scale, uncontrolled experiment in geoengineering as opposed to a small-scale controlled experiment. Then... Uh, Pritchard affirmatively stated that we are now in the global-scale, uncontrolled uh, experiment. So right there you have this scholar from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland stating that the program is happening. And he stated that um, he felt that Pritchard, it was bizarre for him to prefer this uncontrollable, out-of-control uh, experiment. So then Lenton comes back and says he admits that he did not prefer to carry on the current uncontrolled global-scale experiment. Then, after that, a man that we met there who was actually presented under the same category that I was in, um, which was geoengineering. His name was Keith Potts of Adelaide, Australia. And he suggested, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, his uh, presentation was on aerosols in the atmosphere uh, currently. So Mr. Potts then suggested that if they say they are concerned about aerosols, he stated they aren't concerned enough. He stated that aerosols exceeded the tipping point decades ago. He asked if any of the panel had assessed these aerosol plumes, which didn't exist 50 years ago and which now exist in eight places in the world. He cited the IPCC4 report, which stated the aerosols may have greater effect than the greenhouse gases. So in that one session on tipping points, Olga Rafa brilliantly introduced our um, 
our topic, uh, our issue, and then some other gentlemen in the audience joined in. And really, the guy from Scotland called the young man from the UK right under the rug because he was trying to skirt around the issue. And um, these guys all know each other. And, and apparently, Mr. Pritchard full well knew what Timothy Lenton's uh, real position is. And then um, if we skip to uh, day four, um, we attended another late morning session called Multi-Level Governance of Climate Change. And here we had a guy by the name of David Victor. And David is with the School of International Relations and, and Pacific Studies. And what this guy is trying to do is resurrect the carbon trading scam and what he would like to do is create what he's calling climate clubs. And any of the countries that aren't getting on board with this, they refer to um, as reluctant countries. And I will read to you briefly from a report called The Case for Climate Clubs by David G. Victor, who, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is a colleague of our uh, Professor uh, Caldera out of Stanford, California. And basically what this um, document states is that outsiders can change how these countries calculate their national interests by threatening penalties such as trade sanctions or offering carrots such as funding for investments that lower emissions. Now, I'd like to just back up and make one point here to the audience, Fred, and that is that geoengineering and, and this um, uh, climate change, also known as global warming, is all, let me emphasize this, all based on fraudulent reports put together by the IPCC. This is not settled science. It is all based on fraud. They are inventing an environmental catastrophe to do nothing more, as Patrick explained earlier, than to remove a lot of our rights and liberties and tax the hell out of all of us. Um, now, one of the people that I wanted to meet going into this forum, and, and I made it a point to meet the people and speak to the people, tell them who I was, what I'm all about, and what I've been doing, was Professor Sheila Jasnoff of Harvard. She's the keynote, one of the keynote speakers on Friday. She is a major influencer and stakeholder in this situation. I had the opportunity after she was finished with her uh, speech there to meet her. Unfortunately, nobody filmed the um, event when I met her, but she was there with a Princeton attorney. And Professor Jasnoff has more uh, academic accolades behind her name. She's got BAs, MAs, MSs, PhDs, JDs. This woman is a major influencer in this situation. And I was able to speak to her, tell her who I was, what I've been doing. I asked her if she was aware of geoengineering, and she said absolutely she knew all about it. Um, so she was given my report, as was the attorney that was there with her from Princeton. And later in the day, the final session that Olga, Rafa, and I attended was called Revisiting the 215 Paris Climate Change Agreement, Architecture for Better Governance and Outcomes. 
and that was convened by a Yale attorney by the name of Mr. Etsy, E-T-S-Y. What we learned in that session is that this thing is not made in the shade. They are having problems getting countries who they refer to as reluctant countries on board um, for this scheme that is based upon fraudulent science. Um, And they talked about ways of getting mayors in cities and governors in states to sign nine uh, non-binding agreements. I'm going to write up a full report on this last session so that everyone understands the issues that they are having um, several of the people who had just been at the um, committee meeting in Bonn, Germany, were actually there in the room and were discussing the issues that uh, they're having getting countries on board. Now, um, we, have, we have countries such as China that are not even participating in this situation. And China's over there building coal fire plants like there's no tomorrow. Um, they are not going to um, agree to any affirmations to reductions in, in, in global uh, or their, their carbon output until maybe after 2030. Um, so in the meantime, countries like the United States, um, whereby we have 29 states that have adopted climate action plans, known as CAPs, um, are under the gun here uh, to reduce these emissions. And all this is doing is providing a huge, huge amount of money into the corporate coffers of these states. Um, I gave you guys a link to a uh, policy analyst out of the state of California, a Ms. Tiffany Roberts, um, who worked for California Legislative Analyst Office, um, she uh, was a speaker at the Heartland Institute's um, meeting in Washington, D.C. this summer, and she demonstrates effectively the economic duress and detriment that this whole scam is causing to the state of California. The name of her video there, and it can be found at the Heartland Institute's YouTube page, is Lessons from California's Climate Policies. They are going to drum up $6 billion annually, okay, from this situation. And that's going to have a domino effect on businesses, every individual that lives in that state. It'll drive businesses out of California. And um, so coming full circle, I think it's very instrumental for people to understand that this IPCC data that was um, uh, put together uh, under the guise of the United Nations has been found to be fraudulent back in 2005 and 2008. This is nothing more than a scam by the powers that be to take away our rights, tax us more and more and more, and remove our rights Agenda 21 style. Um, I recommend that your listeners go over to the Heartland Institute's YouTube page and start to take a listen to all the scientists and all the people describing the true science we are not in a warming period. There is no economic uh, or environmental catastrophe happening. The sea levels are absolutely not rising. This is not settled science. And so geoengineering, which is a part of this scheme, again, is based on false science. And um, so that's just a few of my takeaways from 
the effectiveness that our people had at the Paris uh, meeting. Had we not been there, geoengineering would not have been discussed in an open forum in, in these sessions and um, uh, brought to life. Uh, I was in one, another session over at the university with Olga where she said again, did you guys, you climate scientists, did you take into effect the ongoing weather mod and um, HARP and EMF activity um, in, your, in your studies? In, in your in your data, and they agreed no, they had not, and that maybe they ought to be doing this. So, it'll you know we'll, we'll see what happens now uh, in the future uh, um, of whether or not these these folks are are going to listen up and broaden their very very um, uh, small vision on. Um, the reality of aspects of, of the science, which frankly I don't even think this is science at this point. I think it's, it's like some sort of a religion. Um, whether or not um, uh, they're going to rethink this, and again, every session we went into, these scientists would say, we've done some modeling, we've done this, we've done that, but we're not sure and we're going to need more money. So it was a big money-grubbing scheme by all of these university people. And, of course, that keeps the wheels rolling for them. So um, um, I'll, I'll, you know, stand down now. But I, I did want to share some um, actual interactions and, and, and things that happened in a couple of the sessions while we were there. And I cannot, um, uh you know, give enough high accolades to my co-activists that were there. They brilliantly conducted themselves in a very diplomatic manner, in a very professional manner, with total grace and ease, and um, really articulated themselves well. And when you go into a situation like this, you have to be very careful about how you approach it because we don't want to ever be disinvited where we can't go back into a forum like this to continue the work that we're trying to do on behalf of humanity. And so, again, um, I had no uh, reservations or qualms with anybody on this team. And I have to tell you, um, not only did they do a great job, they definitely exceeded my expectations. So uh, kudos to all of them. Lexi and Patrick, uh, is it true that they, uh, they're at the Paris Treaty Conference or the Paris Conference on Climate, that they modified some of the headings to the agenda to uh, sort of skirt a little bit of the directness for what they're going to talk about as a result of your presence. I, I, did I get that correct? Well, um, I, here, so Patrick here again. So um, I have become like a groupie for Ken Caldera. You know, wherever he goes, I go and ask him difficult questions. So <laughs> on, on the way there... Um, I I, had my, I I completed my paper. I tweeted it to him saying, oh, here's some light reading for you. <laughs> and actually, at the end of my the, – the, the, I, I confronted him three times. The last one was at the Commonwealth Club. And as he was – after he told me to shut the F up and walked away, I said, oh, see you in Paris. And, of course, so he, was, he was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to show up in Paris. So on the, the – uh, the first day of the conference, there was actually a, a um, I think it was like the Monday they had this sort of uh, opening reception where everyone showed up, except Ken. 
Poor, poor guy. Maybe he had his head. Maybe he had a sniffle or something. Poor, poor boy. But he'd been flown in from California, and on the Wednesday, the main plenary session, they had this panel discussion on solutions for climate change. And so there's Ken sitting up there in his panel discussion. They did not mention the G word once the entire hour they were talking. And it turns out that they privately behind, you know, b- before the conference even started, they thought, you know, um, I think this is a little too contentious for p- people aren't going to go for it. And, and, and when I was ha- I mean, the, the paper that I had, um, which had, you know, like sort of 30-odd peer-reviewed references and all that kind of stuff, um, I got 700 of these into the hands of uh, people at the conference, and there was only 2,000 people there. Yeah, and so, and when I, and everyone would take it because I'm mean, I used to like giving out, you know, get, trying to get flyers into the hands of people. That, you know, the, the, it, you know, it, it generally, it's, you know, it, if you get like three in ten people there, that's like a great day. Uh, like out of the seven uh, hundred odd people that I I offered it to, maybe five said no, which was wow. astonishing. It was like ninety nine plus percent, <laughs> tremendous. And yeah. these guys are scientists, and they were like they were reading it. They'd read a bit, and then they'd, t- they'd turn over and look at the reference and go, mm-hmm. and, th- and they were just absorbing it. And everybody I spoke to thought, you know, rare, you know, it's not a good idea to put poison in the sky. Now, I wasn't necessarily saying up front, they're already doing it. Um, you know, this is, this, this is the result. It went, but when you actually read the thing I do actually say that, I was saying, you know, they're proposing this, and it's bad. Everyone agreed, bad idea. So the, 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 there was one session in the entire week-long thing where they actually did talk about geoengineering, but they put it in another campus. It was like the Marie Curie University, and it was, a hell, it was really hard to find. It was not signposted at all. I, I was we lucky to find even things. It was a little, little small room, and... Uh, they spent 20 minutes on geoengineering, and they like took one question per, for each of them, and I demanded, "Hey, what about the health effects?" And, and Alan Robach is another one, like the, the the third stooge. Uh, he said, "Oh no, we can't talk about that in the thing. Oh ne- no, oh, next speaker." So um, they they really are dialing it back. You know, they um, it, 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 it's becoming a very tough. It's like trying to sell pets.com, pets.com stock right now. You know, it's, 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 it's a tough sell. Um, but they willingly, they, they took their 30 pieces of silver to do this thing, and they've brought yeah. it upon themselves. So they deserve all the discomfort that they're getting. So, yeah. Yep. Fred, Fred, if I can interject, sure. um, I believe I um, transmitted over to your people the, my 34-page PowerPoint report from my presentation, and again, I handed that out to every single one of uh, the people on the panels at uh, the sessions I attended, and and to quite a few other people there. Okay, and like Patrick's brilliant paper on the health effects, you know, one of the things I talk about there is not only that you know you're vi- this is a violation of existing law but there are detrimental health effects that are peer-reviewed, and then there are also um, environmental um, effects. 
So once you start going into a forum like this, the UN, and you start you start circulating that out, and people start seeing this, I mean, let, let's face it. You know, nobody's gone into these geoengineering uh, meetings that uh, Patrick and Max and Harry Rhodes and Terry and every you know Olga. Everybody's been going to these, you know, the round of the the sales pitch they've been doing. The, our topic has not um, been introduced with the detrimental effects, and that's exactly what we did there. I know Patrick was doing it with his sheet, and I certainly was doing that with my report, and I was getting that report into the hands of the very key people. And trust me when I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, these people are all going back to private rooms and they're huddling. Right in the program, we saw, and it's on the last one of the last pages, and I still have it, of course, is that they had, you know, they had some, um, you know, secret behind the behind the scenes meetings. So they're they're all, um, you know, they're all yapping together. And again, I cannot enough about the fact that we went in there in a very professional manner and conducted ourselves with the highest level of professionality and really, really made an impact into that um, situation. I don't think anybody should kid themselves thinking that a lot of these people absolutely know what's going on already. They certainly do. Um, And, you know, um, again, I'd like to say thank you very much to the people that um, contributed to me to get over uh, to there. It was an enormous amount of preparation and research. This is a completely professional team of people uh, we had never done this together before, and I have to tell you, um, uh, it was the way we did this was absolutely brilliant. I mean, we would enter into certain sessions, not even sit together. It was well known that um, you know Patrick and Max, you know, they're pretty well known in this venue. So we we were very very strategic <laughs> about how we operated on this deal and. I know in one session I was in, uh, and I looked over and Patrick was there, and then Patrick was gone. Well, he probably took off to hit the Q&A in another session because you only had at the end of each session, you know, the opportunity to hit these people up with questions. So I think Pat saw that we were there and probably felt we had it all covered, and then he bamboozed out the door, and, of course, we did cover it. Um, And so, you know, there was sort of an unspoken dynamic and chemistry going on there with this just unbelievably um, uh, well-documented and just tactful uh, uh, professionality, um, professionalism um, amongst the team. It, It was just really well done, and I'm proud of everyone. And I have to tell you, this is one of the most stressful things I have ever done in my life, but um, it had to be done. The rule of law had to be introduced into this thing so that all of these people that are posing, these phony people that are posing as, you know, we care about the environment, were put on notice that, oh, yeah, there's another side to this story, and we're going to introduce it, and by God, we did. So there you have it. Patrick and and Lexi, uh, could you share, if you have any, uh, there had to be the feeling that there was a providential hand guiding you Oh, absolutely. I mean, just some of the personal interactions, maybe uh, an epiphany. uh, Share it, whatever you you have, because I'm sure it happens. (laughs) Well, it happens all the time, of course. I mean, uh, mean, not just at Paris. I mean, the um, the EPA thing, um, I wrote it. I I mean, I was busy with all kinds of stuff, and I finished writing it. uh, Well, I was finishing up writing it half an hour before my ride came to pick me up and I had to pack and get out there. On yeah. the plane on the way over, 
I was reading it on my phone thinking, eh, actually, I'm not happy with it. It needs to be completely rewritten. I don't have a laptop. I had to rewrite it on my phone. And I timed out the, the reading it to myself because you have 10 minutes, up to eight and a half minutes, which gave me time to say words quite clearly and slowly for the C-SPAN. And C-SPAN was there. Awesome. It was epic. Anyway, um, I did it. I told them at the end, do your job. Uh, it came in at nine minutes and 55 seconds. Bam, drops Mike, walks off stage. It was like, there's no way. I mean, like, uh, with, uh, like I mentioned earlier about the, uh, the, um, the Caldera stuff. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not stupid and I can talk and stuff, but when you look at the, what I say and when I said it, I, I had the timing of a, like a top comedian popping this stuff in. I, I, I had help for that. And on, on this past Sunday, I ran into this person. I wouldn't even say this person's gender. Mentioned, oh, here's what I do. And then she gave me some information which I can't say to anybody until it comes out. But my God, the, uh, the serendipity in that is just ridiculous. Yeah, when you're doing the right thing, you get help. Your path is cleared. Things become easy. And it's fun. You never feel threatened or fearful. Uh, it, you just you just you just carried along on the awesomeness of good. Yeah, um, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's so many things in Paris as well, but they're all they're all really minor things. But when you when you could you could feel it, you could certainly feel it. Patrick, did you fly over to? When did you fly over to DC? Was that on uh, on the? 10th that was last. That was last Sunday. So okay, the, the, yeah. the hearing was on the 11th. So I, 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 you know, that was on the Tuesday. I flew out Sunday night, well, Sunday slash Monday morning. I uh, stayed over one night and then flew back the same day. And even then, the um, it would have been so very easy for me to miss flight. I mean, there were like things. That's another thing that I've noticed because when you're doing things for good, you'll also find there like all obstacles will be thrown in your way as well, but they all get cleared. Yeah. So I think, I think there is also, you know, the manifestation of evil energy might be directed at me as well, perhaps, who knows. But again, the power of good is better. I mean, I, I know this sounds like, you know, a Bible something street preacher. Actually, I was described as a street preacher in this, uh, that's that weekly article. But yeah, it, it's, it's definitely there. You, I mean, we, we, we really listen to your gut and... You, you're guided, and it's uh, it's it's a fantastic feeling. I'm sure I'm sure Lexi has many more stories, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean, if, if anyone asks me, do I believe in God? Absolutely, I believe in God. Do I believe that the Holy Spirit is protecting us um, on this on our purpose in this mission? You better believe I do. Okay, this world was not created for this mass destruction by these evil, misguided people, okay? They're the ones that are going to have to answer for this, whether it's now or, or later. I, I, that's not my job. My job is to shine light on the truth and the fact that all of these madcap science experiments gone awry are harming human health and they are harming the ecosystem. This planet has enough room for all the people on it. We have enough natural resources, 
And people need to understand, for instance, your, your Governor Jerry Brown over there, this guy was on the bandwagon back in Rio with Al Gore. And by the way, one guy that I forgot to mention that Olga and I had a private conversation out in the hallway with after we uh, had the, the, the chit-chat with Sir David King was a guy by the name of Gordon McBean. Well, come to find out, McBean, who's now at the University of Western Ontario, was the original convener of the IPCC with Maurice Strong. So he's, he's uh, chatting us up and trying to figure out who we are. And, of course, we told him exactly who we are and what we were there doing. And he wanted to um, – he was trying to impress us, telling he was jumping on a jet to go see uh, Al Gore. And I told him, well, that's a shame. And then he was going to be meeting with Jerry Brown. And basically, this is exactly what I told him. I said, Jerry Brown is a horse's ass, and I'm really sorry that you um, are, are, are uh, convening with people of this ilk, okay, because we're here telling the people – about the truth of the matter, that geoengineering and weather modification programs are in full force and effect. Now, again, this guy, McBean, this guy has been a stakeholder since way back when with old Maurice Strong, who is the drafter of Agenda 21. So I forgot to mention the fact that, um, you know, I don't know if that was divine providence, but we were, we were out in the hallway, uh, we were out in the bowels of the UN building and looking for something, and we ran into this guy. So, yeah, um, I believe in God, and I can't speak for anybody else in, in, um, with my co-activists. I know that Max Bliss is a firm, firm believer in divinity, um, and, um, you know, he, of course, did an outstanding job not only in Paris but over there, in Washington, D.C. with the EPA, who obviously now have been put on notice, and it was on C-SPAN, so that's mainstream media for us folks. And so um, I um, am honored to be in the company of both Patrick and Max and Terry and Olga Rafa. These folks did an outstanding job at the conference, um, you know, uh, just being in sessions with them, and, and I can't speak highly enough of them. They are heroes. Somebody said that we we are actually the real Avengers. You know, there's a, a movie out, The Avengers, and by the way, my son worked on that film. Um, and somebody said, you know, that's sort of a cartoon thing. In real life, you people are the Avengers. So I took that as a very high compliment, Fred. And I can tell you that, um, you know, down here in the desert, it's 115 degrees, which it always is at this time of the year. It's not gotten any damn hotter. This is just the nature of this of the desert. So thank you very much for having us on. I appreciate it. Okay, we're going to open up it. Oh, we're going to open up for any comments and questions from our listeners. But one last question. Did you make it to the top of the Eiffel Tower? No, no. We were we were very close to it. It was physically very demanding. Because, yeah, I know. Um, I know. Because there was a jet lag, and it was actually yep. super hot there, and you know, just trying to navigate around, and it was, yeah. it was a lot of hassle. So physically, very demanding. So it oh. would have been nice, but yeah, yeah. We, we didn't. There was no tourist activities for us there, Fred. Uh, unfortunately, that's what it sounded like. You guys were really busy doing what you're doing. So I just oh, we, yeah. we we were paid to go in there and do a job. We weren't I tourists. Know. Okay, I know. we went in and we did the deed. We represented humanity there 
um, uh, on the light side of uh, the force, if, if, if I may say. And, uh, you know, the, the Eiffel Tower was right behind us. We took a couple of snappies with it in the background. But, no, we had no time to be fiddling around going and seeing the sights, unfortunately. And, and let me also say that uh, when Murph and I uh, rolled in, uh, we rolled in together um, uh, from the airport there, the devastation to the trees in the city of Paris is, is absolutely just, uh, it's horrible. It's as if it is, you know, October in Paris with all these dead leaves on the ground and they don't... Is that from the chemtrails? Is that from the chemtrails? Well, yeah, oh, actually, the, the, the devastation yeah, is I from see, the... I see, that, I see that here, too. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. wow. The whole area has been droughted out, okay? Uh, the lawn at the U.N. building was completely droughted out. No, this is from the, the ongoing, and trust me, when I tell you, I've got videos of this. I haven't released them yet. I'm just, you know, the, the, the whole city is pummeled uh, uh, with the aerosols on the day. It's right in plain sight, just like all yeah. these other places on the planet. It is right. in plain sight. And you better believe that stuff is falling down. And it's oh, I know it is. I just was curious about the plants. That was interesting that you brought that up, that, you know, the well, trees are in trouble there. Yeah. Well, well the actually, the, the, nano, the nanoparticle aluminum goes through the tree roots just like it goes through our blood-brain barrier and it kills trees. But, yeah, like the, the first day of the conference, they sprayed the snot out of Paris. It was like grids all over the damn place. It was gnarly. They were, uh, that, that, to me, was like a message. But I, I do, oh, I do want to uh, add... Add one thing before 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 we move on to calls was the, at this conference there were people from all over the world there were people from sub-Saharan like people who brought papers from you know like Zambia and just all over the place and we planted the seeds and these guys are going to go back and start talking to them because these I mean these are just scientists these weren't policymakers and they're going to go back and say hey what the hell is this stuff. Um, Again, the the cat really is out of the bag. No, it's like spread all over the world. So yay, yay on that. So anyway, that's my little. little bravo thing. for you guys. Awesome. Wow. Well, thank you both. Uh, but we're gonna just anybody out there on our call just start six your phone. Uh, we have Olga and Patrick just a few more minutes before we wrap up the call. Uh, just a comment or a question, anyone. <coughs> This is Steve from AU Network, and I'd like to, first of all, uh, congratulate uh, both Lexi and uh, Patrick for an incredible, incredible uh, job that you did. And, and also, for anybody to uh, get a chance, please go to our website, aunetwork.tv, click on Newsletter, because Lexi has outlined uh, with the hour and the minute for all of her presentation tonight where you can actually see and hear uh, the topics that she was going into, and to uh, Patrick's presentation he did uh, with the EPA, uh, awesome ending of that, telling the EPA, do your job. Awesome job, Patrick. Great, great work. Thank you. It was awesome. It was fun. <laughs> hey, this is Jim Palmisano, and I just want to tell you two, thank you so much. Job well done. Thank you. I mean, I, 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 I love doing this stuff. I mean, I, I mean, I know it might seem selfish. I do this largely because I enjoy doing it. Um, the, I mean, if I didn't, I'd be no good at it. 
I mean, it's like when some people some people will collect baseball cards or you know have model model train sets and stuff. I love I love, I, I love uh, exposing scumbags. <laughs> and it's really fun. Well, that's why we're all here, Patrick. <laughs> that's why we're all here. Keep this call going for eight and a half years, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> the real oh, life man. Avengers. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> hey, Lexi. Hey, Patrick. This is Helen in North Georgia. I just wanted to say how proud I am of you and the whole team too. I was super impressed with uh Terry and Max and Michael. I mean everybody. You guys you guys did us all proud. And we love you. Thank you. Well Thank you. You, know, you know, a lot of people I think weren't understanding how this whole picture, all the little pieces of the puzzle tie together and we have really, really tried hard to explain this to people. Um, you know, again, just the simple statement of the geoengineering and the um, global warming climate change is all based on fraudulent data, okay? This is all based on junk science. So um, they have orchestrated this whole thing in what they call a tiptoe fashion, Helen, and that means they do it very, very, very slowly. So in other words, you know, at the top of the, uh, the, the document, you have a 215 global agreement. Underneath it, you have individual country contributions. And underneath that, here in the United States, you have 29 states that have adopted climate action plans. All of this being done very, very quietly. So I really urge people to go to the Heartland Institute and listen to that young woman's presentation on Miss Tiffany Roberts because she spells it out. She spells it out exactly what's happening there right now in the state of California, what they're what they're doing to people um, because they're really the the poster child now of the of the of rollout in our entire country. And you know, coming to you soon, ladies and gentlemen. Unless you stand up and tell your lawmakers, ah 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 ah, we're not going to agree with this, and I really hope that the people at the Heartland Institute do follow through. Um, They've made threats to uh, sue the IPCC scientists for fraud, and once they do that, the whole house of cards is going to come falling down, and they know that, and that is the soft side to their underbelly. Um, So um, geoengineering really has been our mainstay issue, but once we delved into this and went down the rabbit hole, it became evident to all of us, uh, at least the people I'm with, that we had to completely analyze this entire situation, and that's what we've tried to do. We've tried to explain it to people, and that's why we went to Paris. Right, and then, you know, they're going to use it for the water grab, too. What They are oh, starting in California to take people's rights away on their wells and put the meters on and, and the whole nine yards. So, yeah, we got to we got to get proactive and nip this whole thing right in the bud. Good job, guys. Oh, I, I, so I, I want to chip in here again. Sorry, the, um, a very useful tool, I think, now, uh, that paper I wrote, I'm very, very happy with it. It's actually readable, even though it's very sciencey. Um, it's a free. It's a, if you go to my website, stopspraying us-sf.com/paper, 
you can download a PDF of that and you can bring that to your city council and say, hey, this stuff's in our air and water. Do something about it. Um, and it, it's just more evidence and an extra tool for that. Uh, because I think the, the health effects is the strongest selling tool that we have right now. When you talk about, oh, um, things that might happen in the future when people are actually seeing, that's going to be tougher when people have, you know, people coming, dying with, you know, respiratory failure really early, people getting Alzheimer's in their 20s. That, that affects people personally, their loved ones or themselves. So uh, I think it's a pretty strong tool to use. So please go ahead and, you know, share it and just do what you can with it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's great. Yeah, and Patrick, as I recall, um, you got some feedback from Alan Robach, and the only thing he could uh, he could pin on you is that the font was too small on your report. I mean, how flimsy is that? What this is again? We were talking about Providence earlier on. I went to one of these like main sessions, and I'm sitting I'm sitting there, and I looked over because I I I, I had. Ken Caldera's Twitter account, so I could get him have a public record of yes, he has seen this thing, and there's no way he can avoid no, you know, pretending oh, I never saw it. But I needed to get it into the hands of Alan Robach, but I didn't know how I was going to get get hold of him before the thing. So I, I'm sitting down at one of these main plenary sessions, and I look over to my left. There's there's some there's some scientist guy to my immediate left, and right after there. Oh, hey, Alan. <laughs> How's it going? Here, I'll check out my paper. And he was not happy when I, you know, I got it. And, you know, there's, there's, I got a picture of me, of him looking really sad after getting the paper. So, again, Providence. So, yeah. Anyway, so um, a little later on, I think it was like the following day, I was at, unfortunately, I wasn't recording at the time. He, ca he came up to me and, and says, you know, uh, you know, your you know your paper, you, the, the the font's no good. It's too small, and it's like really, that's all you've got. You know, it, it was pathetic. And he and he said, oh yeah, I, 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 there's no peer peer review or something. I fucking wrote it on the previous Friday. <laughs> so I'm not going to go through the whole peer review process. Plus, like thirty of the references were peer reviewed. So, yeah, he um, and also if you look at his website, um. It's, it's it's linked somewhere. Um, it doesn't actually use Comic Sans, but it's the most garbagey-looking circa 1997 piece of crap website. And he's talking. To, and his only criticism for me was my graphic design skills. So yeah, bite me. <laughs> well, so, yeah. listen, I, listen. I'm not belaboring Robach to the extent that Robach allowed me to come in underneath his category. Obviously, he. He felt it was necessary to bring in, you know, an opposing view. So I, I am grateful to him, and I did state that in that one afternoon session. I think I think Professor Robach thought that I was a PhD because of the emails I was getting from him. He kept referring to me as Dr. Hunter, and um, it, it, during during uh, before my presentation and before the stuff he put on. You know, he kept waving at me and doing the wink-wink thing out in the garden. And, you know, yeah. Carrie Lawton had said to me, are you going to talk to these guys? And I said, absolutely not. I am not going to have a conversation with either of these people. They do not um, 
I don't uh, know. They, uh, they don't rise to my level. I am here presenting the rule of law, okay? And there is, in theory, a rule of law on this planet. And I said, no, Terry, I'm not going to talk to them. Uh, Patrick, Max, you guys have already, you guys have already had, had, had the day with these guys. It would, it would prove, you know, I already saw the reactions and how they behaved like, um, you know, little uh, babies running away when um, they're confronted with the truth. And you know what? Um, I'm I'm a pretty stately person. I, I no, I'm not going to talk to them. They allowed me to come in there and give my thing, and I am so grateful to them for that. So, to that effect, I I am not belaboring uh, Professor Roebuck. I, in fact, I'm very grateful that uh, he uh, accepted my presentation, and I was uh, brought into Paris by the wonderful people that supported me. So, thank you very much, Professor Roebuck. I'm a little less charitable towards Mr. Roebuck because he's one of the three guys out there selling this thing and in full knowledge of the uh, devastation it's causing to humanity. And uh, like he, like in his presentation, I mean, they all say, oh, we really don't want to, we really don't want to have to do this, but we may have to. And he had this big list of the pros and cons, you know, the, the cons were, I don't know, all this other stuff, no mention of human health. And, you know, I, and, I, I, and I spoke to him afterwards about this, and he, and he, and, and he, was, he, he, just, he just didn't want to address that at all. And when I spoke uh, at the uh, San Jose Academy, no, wait, the American Association for the Advancement of Science or something, um, uh, you know, when I was asking Cal Berry about, hey, what about the pathogens in the sky? And uh, I, and I, and I asked, hey, what, you know, um, respiratory failure is now the third leading cause of death. And he just said, no, oh, oh, no, no, next question. So he, you know, he's fully aware. He, I, I, I yeah. and I think he's Hello. trying to play. Oh, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go okay. ahead. Sorry, I think he's trying to play nice cop because he does not want to suffer the same fate as Caldera, having like spotlight shone right on him. So he's, I think, I think that's why. Whatever, I know he's he's also taking his thirty pieces of silver. Uh, so anyway, actually, actually, I I I think that his role as a quote actor unquote because we're all actors according to their their uh even their own paperwork on this thing is that Robach is acting he's playing the bad cop he's saying the 20 top reasons why this is a bad idea Caldera's playing the the good cop saying oh we need to do this him and David Keith uh I think uh, yeah, Opa, actually I think Robach is playing the bad cop is 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 you know and this is all an act okay remember this is all an act you oh, know oh, for, oh. Your, for your entertainment all three of them say we really don't want to do this. Caldera, when he was speaking in Berkeley, said, uh, people think I'm a terrible man because I talk about putting poison in the sky. Oh, why would you research putting poison in the sky? You know, but, and he said, well, you know, if you have a cancer, you might have to take poison chemotherapy to, to, to fix that. So, I, you know, I see, you know, that, that in, in, in the same sort of way. And yeah, he... Like nobody wants to have to go through chemo, and and and, and they're really dialing it back. And, and the, the, each time I talk to them, they're they're trying to back 
further away from it. It's like a tar baby. And yes, they they're they're under orders to put out this line, but they're feeling the heat. They do not. They don't want want to be going to uh, be remembered in history, but as the apologists of the things they are. Um, so yeah. Well, I just I wanted question. to say. Oh, <laughs> I just this is Nina, and um, uh, in Arizona. I just wanted to say thank you for uh, to everybody there for everything. Actually, I mean everybody's doing something, um, mm-hmm. which is great. Because um, I feel like the more people that do, you know, make presentations, spread the word, um, you know, speak out, um, you know, anything at all, just to keep the pressure on, the heat on. I mean, eventually they'll get to a tipping point. I want to share with you guys something that happened to me recently. I went to the Grand Canyon about a month ago, and um, they put out a little publication, you know, a little guide that they give to everybody who goes into the park. And the very last page, you can see it online, actually. They have a copy of it online. Um, The very last page, uh, bottom little last paragraph, last sentence says, a four-mile, it says, did you know? A four-mile, 6.4-kilometer bicycle trip keeps approximately 15 pounds, 6.8 kilograms, of vehicle pollutants out of the air we breathe. And I read that, (laughs) and I thought, hmm, okay, we must have cars with a really bad gas mileage because a gallon of gas weighs about, oh, I don't know, it's lighter than water, and water weighs eight pounds. So, and weight is a measure of mass. So they're telling me that even if I'm getting four miles a gallon, which is, nobody gets that bad gas mileage, um, I'm, I'm creating mass because I'm, cre- I'm, I'm going from eight pounds of matter to 15 pounds of matter. How does that happen, right? How does that happen? In my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I'm an intelligent woman. I can figure things out, right? It doesn't make sense. So I went to um, the superintendent's office there in the park, and I went to the counter, and (laughs) I approached, you know, the people there with this question. And so they took my um, email address and said they'd get back to me. And um, I don't know, you know, I finished my stay there and and left the park, and about two weeks later, I was just kind of getting antsy, and I thought, you know, I haven't heard anything from these people. So I gave them a call, and I kind of reminded them, you know, that I had um, put in a, a little request to get some information on this. I wanted to know, uh, where did they come with that, with this number? <laughs> where is their source? I go, you have this here, but there's no source for where this information came from. Where did it come from? So... um so I did get an email back uh, about two weeks ago, um, and um, they said that they had looked into the matter and they, did, they decided that uh, they were going to remove it from the publication and, and future issues. Hmm. So I thought that was a good thing, but I, w- I wanted to know why. So I called up and I talked to um, the person who sent me this email that works up there at the Grand Canyon, and she said that uh, she had looked, that, that they had gotten the, these these statistics from several sources, 
Um, she thought they're, you know, universities. And so when she went to check with that, what their sources was, she said she wasn't comfortable <laughs> with the source. And I'm not sure what she meant by that. But um, and so that's why they decided to pull it. So I was just kind of relating that to you because I th- think that kind of backs up what you were saying about this all being based on junk science, you know, and if <laughs> you just have to challenge it, I think sometimes, you know, and just say, okay, you know, prove yeah. it, show it to me, because it doesn't work out in my mind. How does that happen? You know, I mean, I know you can change, you know, forms of matter, you know, but I can't, I don't know that you can change the weight. You can create weight. Well, if you if you were driving it like an you know like an Abrams tank, maybe you'll get. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Nobody's car gets that. You know, I'm just no. So, anyways, but anyways, yeah, but they, so I just want to thank you guys for doing what you're doing. I think it's great, and I think everybody needs to do their share. And eventually, because I don't think this is humanity's destiny. You know, it's just not. It's just not going to happen. You know, and they think, um, they're feeling the heat. Nina, this is Lexi Hunter. What part of Arizona do you live in, dear? Um, I'm kind of like pretty much right now. I'm in the middle in a little town called Payson, but it's up at like five thousand feet. Well, sure, I know what Payson is. I'll be coming. I'm up like right between year. Flagstaff and Phoenix. You know, right in the yeah. middle there. Sure, I know where you're at. Hey, Nina, just to let you know, last year in June, on June 25th, uh, 2014. I put the state of Arizona on actual legal notice with regard to... You know, I saw that online. I read that, yeah. That was great. I I put Senator Ward and the ADEQ on notice. These are a bunch of complicit criminals. They have absolutely no intention of investigating this, as are all of these other agencies all over the United States. Agenda 21 and Arizona does have a climate action plan, just like California, and if anybody thinks this is a joke, they can go online and they can look it up. It's all a public record. So what is happening in the state of California is, is just the beginning of this rollout. And this is basically getting uh, the feds taking control of parkland, shoving people into cities in a stack them and pack them uh, scenario, uh, not uh, you know, totally removing their rights to drive automobiles. And they do it very slowly. And, um, you know, again, this is real and it is happening. And, um, you know, uh, they just throw stuff on the wall and see if it's going to stick. And we need citizens like yourself to keep pushing, pushing, pushing back. So thank you. Actually, in in California, speaking of Agenda 21, getting people out of their cars, um, there's this uh, uh, freshman congressman, uh, Mark Pistolnier, who is a piece of work, Mr. Agenda 21, he introduced legislation to start taxing by the mile. And all these, all these Prius owners were like, hey, you know, I thought it was all about carbon dioxide. I spent all this extra money on these, like, you know, these, these electric cars and whatnot, and now you're saying you're going to charge us by the mile? Oh, absolutely. Then next will be the... Uh, and, they're, and they're also um, selling these... Um, they're selling insurance. Like, hey, you don't drive... If you don't drive that much... Get one of these little tracker boxes, and we'll char- we'll only we'll, we'll only charge your insurance by the amount of uh, the amount you travel. Of course, that's all going to be like sort of wired back into head office. It's just so creepy. This sort of absolute panopticon 
is being filled around us, and we, you know, it's it's, it's all based on bogus science. I mean, as you're saying, like that, that you know, like people driving an Abrams tank gas <laughs> mileage. Every few weeks, you get a new story saying, "Oh, it's the hottest month, week, year, decade in history." No matter how freaking cold it is, and you know, these stories just get like breathlessly repeated over and over again, and they're bogus. It's not getting warmer. You know, they've admitted that, but they keep they keep trying to sell this to the public. And uh, I still think Can I ask a question? Hello, hello, this is Todd from Iowa. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Good, good. Uh, I, and I appreciate uh, keeping the email list. I haven't listened in for a long time. Um, and I did check out uh, one of Alexandra's uh, videos. My wife and I checked it out the other night from the advanced send, and I said we'll listen to a lot of it. It was a Q&A at some kind of sit-down. Um, and the public got up and asked a bunch of questions and so forth. One woman got up and asked about where was this originating from. And Alexander, I think you asserted that it was the it was military that was doing this. It wasn't commercial. There was maybe some nuances about that, but for the most part, it was military. And and I, I can share with you that I think I think you're right. I don't have any evidence other than I've been to an air show where I live here in Iowa, where they have stunt pilots and all that. And they bring in the Blue Angels and they have all these settings where they showcase uh, uh, aircraft, and there was an, a U.S. Army C, I don't know, 17 years in there, all about how they sprayed uh, 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 soldiers free from, you know, mosquitoes and problems. It was right in their face, like, here, okay, so it's right there. It's right in their face, and this is what we do. Uh, what I'm curious about is the woman, do you know details about which division, where it's being funded, is it in plain sight that it's being funded, or is it a black, a black budget that it's being funded? Okay, okay. So let me let me just answer your question. And what I say is, this is a military program. It's Air Force, obviously. These are airplanes. This is a Pentagon-run program. But I don't limit it just to military. They don't have enough airplanes between the RAF and our government to keep the aerosol saturated globally in the troposphere. So they are subcontracting part of this program out to commercial airliners. There's no doubt about it. We have hundreds of thousands of videos of this stuff happening. So it is a military program, and there are subcontractors there too. And who's paying for it, sir? I'll tell you who's paying for it. The American taxpayer is funding them to slow kill all of us. And they can use their, you know, in the national security card um, because they can't disclose. Well, we can use that card too. Listen, what's the most valuable thing in this country? It's the people, and the people are being harmed. This is a direct chemical assault on us. So the taxpayers are funding it, and I'm sure part of it is in black ops budgets. But don't ever kid yourself. This, these are airplanes. I have it verbatim from a high-ranking officer at the EPA in Chicago three years ago that this is an Air Force operation. The Air Force has told the EPA to stand down. And I told that man, you better remember my name, okay? I am an environmental law expert, and I want to see the environmental impact statement. The EPA removed aluminum from their list of air pollution constituents back in, I think Patrick knows the date on that. 2002. They purpose, right. They purposely have done this 
so that this stuff is not ID'd. If aluminum, barium, and strontium were added back to that list, we would have these guys. They have us over a barrel because they have removed those from any kind of testing in the atmosphere. So I hope that answers your question. It does, and I have two follow-ups, if you can bear with me. Um, uh, one is I haven't read your 70-page report. Is it available publicly? Can I read that? What 70-page report? Well, I'm sorry. I don't know how many pages it was, but you had a report that you presented in Paris or you brought to people and handed to them? Oh, the PowerPoint, uh, yeah. Yes, the PowerPoint report, um, I think Fred and company have put it up on their website. It's also up at aircraft.org. Okay, cool. So you can see my PowerPoint report that I presented there. That's out in the just, okay. you know, uh, public Excellent. forum. So you can see my citations. And what I talk about are the violations of five or six state air pollution laws as well as 50 U.S.C. 1520A uh, that they're violating, as well as the International 1976 NMOD Treaty. So from an international treaty standpoint, you know, there's violations left, right, and center here. Uh, these guys are criminals. They are I'm looking at 1520A right now. We're all, we're all in agreement that they're criminals. I mean, trust me. I'm looking at 50 U.S. Code 1520A. That was going to be my second question, and I, and I, I haven't studied it closely lately, but it has an exception. Section B has an Research. exception. That's correct, sir. And, sir, let me, let me stipulate this to you because a lot of activists do not stipulate this. The word peaceful is in that subcategory as an exception. Any reasonable person would never in a million years say that the dumping of toxic chemicals on any populated area is for peaceful purposes. So they carefully drafted that law, and that word peaceful is the word that uh, they're nailed on. No one, no one in their right mind say that the dumping of chemical toxicity aerosols on any populated uh, uh, city, town, country, state, wherever you have it, is for peaceful purposes. There's nothing peaceful about it. It's a hostile, direct act of assault. And, and I, I, we're in 100% agreement, and, and that would require, uh, on the other side of the fence, there to be some uh, agreement with common sense, and discretion is always used by the federal government when it comes to U.S. citizens. And that is what I would want to throw into the pot that you're stirring right now, uh, is to consider that the powers that be look at U.S. citizens as their property. Because until after the Civil War, the U.S. federal government couldn't have citizens. And so they have exclusive jurisdiction whatsoever over those U.S. citizens. And subsequently, the 14th Amendment does not protect the, the U.S. citizens from their own government violating their rights. only protects the states, the several states, from violating their rights when the government chooses to exercise it. And I don't want to try and get you off track on what you're up to. I'm just throwing out there that while you're looking at the word peaceful, I agree. But I think there's another factor here that a lot of people don't take into consideration. Okay, well, I understand where you're coming from, and we can argue about the nuances of law till the cows come home. I am taking a state-level approach that has been my, my approach here from a sovereignty mm-hmm. perspective. I am also mm-hmm. taking a uh, sovereignty approach under natural law, okay, which goes above mm-hmm. any, any man-made written law. But I also go to the basis of the Constitution of the United States and come hell or high water, 
there is provisions in the Constitution, which I do cite in my report as well. So, mm-hmm. you, know, you can argue until the cows come home. About well, I'm not trying to argue. Food. I'm just trying to contribute to the dialogue. I, I'm just, yeah, you know. Yeah, and I'm, Todd, I, I'd I like just, to add something. Todd, thanks for your comments. And if you want to get that PowerPoint, uh, you can go to our website, aunetwork.tv. And so we'll move yeah, on. We have... I'll just say one more thing and I'll I'll end, please. I'll just say one more thing. What I'm trying to get to is that your efforts are are, are totally laudable. The challenge is just having standing. And Fred, are you on this call? Yes, I am, Todd. Yep. Yep. All right. You and I both know that Bob has pushed that stone up the hill for how many years and always gets told no standing. And I would assert to you that if you want to take it to the state level, which I agree with you, you need to find somebody that is a state citizen that has standing. And I know somebody in California who has state, state citizenship standing and has proven it, and I can connect you with this individual. His name's Corey Ide. He's on my podcast called Agenda31.org. And if you want to get engaged in California, which is the epicenter of this nonsense with Governor Brown, I'm in total agreement. I can find somebody who has standing that will have some efficacy with what you're doing. Thank you for hearing me. You guys keep up the great work. Thanks, Tom. Oh. We'll follow up with you. Thank you very much, Tom. All right. Take okay. care, man. Can I, uh, actually, I, I want to go back a little bit, back to the planes and the funding. Uh, funding, who's paying for this stuff? We are. Because back in 2008, the entire planet was looted, and all that money didn't just disappear. Someone got it, and I think that's, a lot of that is going towards uh, this and other illegal operations. Secondly, planes. Um, I get close-ups on the sprayers going over my apartment, and you know I see sprayers from Korea and China. It's a global thing, and people will say, "Well, how you know where is how do they have room for all these extra chemicals and stuff?" If you look at the baggage requirement, they've really been restricted over the last few years. You know, they, they charge extra for extra bags and, you know, you, you know. Uh, so that's freeing up space on the plane. So the same number of passengers, fuel, um, mechanics in the plane, but what's happening to this extra space? They're not shipping air back and forth all over the world. So my contention is perhaps that is being used for uh, storing whatever they're spraying. So anyway. Just sort of thought I'd throw that in. Well, you know, what a great point, Patrick, and I agree with you. And I have to tell you, I was just watching some um, some videos about Virgin Atlantic Airways, and they, they have aged equipment, and they um, they got a Boeing um, a brand-new Dreamliner jet. And I am not kidding around when I tell you that one of the commercials for that Boeing Dreamliner, and they only have one of them right now, um, actually show this plane flying with the friggin' aerosols coming out of the back of the plane. Virgin Atlantic, Mr. What's-His-Name that owns that outfit or used to own it. It had primary ownership um, and, uh, you know, is offering up some million-dollar reward for, um, uh, you know, coming up with geoengineering uh, schemes. I mean, you know, talk about, you know, the scumbag list. It's, It's pretty disgusting. We have a ton of close-up videos, photographs of the rear horizontal stabilizers of Southwest Airlines jets that are emitting this stuff. Now, the passengers are on those airplanes. Nobody can see what's coming out the back of the thing. So they're obviously double-dipping. I mean, you know, the airlines are in cahoots with this thing. And it's a real shame that the, the, the people that fly 
the pilots and flight attendants um, that are, are going through this stuff on a daily basis in their job are being affected by aerotoxic syndrome. I know that I had a, a, just, a, just a horrendous effect when um, I flew over to Paris and came back here. It took me quite some time to uh, get revived again. Uh, when you're flying up in, the, in those altitudes and 50% of that air cabin air is coming right in from the outside and you're breathing in concentrated levels of this stuff, how about the people that do this every day for a living? I mean, my God. Uh, and I know that Max Bliss has really um, uh, gone down that path of the aerotoxic syndrome, which he did mention at the EPA. Kudos to Max on that. Um, you know, it, it's just unbelievable that um, people are in that industry not standing up for, the, for their own survival. My God. Well, I I, I do all these street actions, and uh, one of the one one of the, lit, the the most recent ones that I did, I spoke to a flight attendant who was fully aware of it, but she sort of talked to me very quietly, and she said all the flight crews knew, but they're they, you know they're they're just very afraid to uh, talk about it. And uh, another friend of mine, his brother works for Boeing, and they all know about it as well but they don't dare speak outside because and, and one of the issues that um, the shills will say, oh, but if it's such, this, such a huge thing, how come, how come the word's not gone out? Where are the whistleblowers? Uh, you know, we're in a living in a time of Twitter and so on. It would be so easy to get the word out. Well, this whole technologi- technology thing works both ways. Like back in the World War II when they, when they did the Manhattan Project, they had 100,000 scientists but all the supporting personnel there that didn't get it until the bomb was dropped on Japan. But today, yes, you have Facebook, but the, uh, that same technology can be turned back towards us. I mean, you know, the whole Snowden thing, you know, plus all, all this other stuff. These people can be our, anyone who is privy to inside information about that, they'll have the eye of Sauron on them. So if they try calling some journalist, uh, you know, eh, that's not that's not going to happen. They're, they, it's, and also, I I I I said it in a, in a previous interview. Um, this model is the same from the book 1984. The inner party kept very close watch on the outer party, and they uh, they they just. Couldn't you know they had to be very 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 discreet. They had to, like the, the telescreens in their living rooms and everything that they did was closely monitored. And I I I believe that is happening today. And and the message has been given to everyone who's involved in this. If you if you say one word one about this, something very bad will happen. And I'm sure examples have been shown to them. So. You know, also, I, I spoke to uh, another person at the protest, and, it, and he, you know, he, this, this was new to him, and he's like, wow, this is terrible. Actually, I'm a friend of mine, a, a pilot. Uh, you know, I'll talk to him. And um, we had some emails back and forth, and he, first he talked to his, this pilot friend, and the pilot was like, wow, yeah, this is terrible, whatever. And afterwards, he said, well, actually, he told me never to mention it again. And he sounded kind of afraid. <laughs> so there's Yes, you can keep big secrets secret, and um, you know, the technology is there for it. So um, we don't we we don't wait for an official announcement. Yes, we're doing it, or a whistleblower. 
we, if this is happening in plain sight, we can all observe it, raise holy hell, and uh, that's how we're going get, to get this thing beaten. And like going, again, back to the GMO thing, when people first started talking about the, the dangers of GMO, they were, oh, you're just crazy. GMOs are awesome. They're going to save poor people in third world countries, and it's so safe. Yeah, you use less pesticides, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Um, but now, if you, if you go to a random person on the street and say, I have, two, I have two tomatoes for you. One's GMO, one's organic. Which one do you want to eat? They'll pick the organic one. That we are not terribly far from that position. And once we have that level of opposition, the rest will fall into place, I believe. But uh, anyway, maybe I'm being Pollyanna-ish about this, but the, the, the progress is unmistakable. We've come a long way fast. And, the, and I'd like to thank everybody else who, who came before me. You know, the Clifford Carnicoms. There are people... Like the guy who interviewed me who, confront, you know, who got that phenomenal quote from Caldera back in 2006, you know, they, they, they had a much harder time because it was a much harder sell. And a lot of them just burned out and they just couldn't do it anymore. And it is tough when, when, when you're like beating your head against a brick wall and you're just not getting through. It, 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 it can be just dispiriting, but... Now, when you're doing it, there's just so many people who are open to it and enthusiastic and grateful. You just that that energy just pushes you along to do even more. And it, join it, jump in. The water's awesome. <laughs> hey Patrick, uh, uh, oh go who's on next? What's on? Uh, somebody can jump in. I would a few if I'm all right to do so. In regard to environment and technology. And things that'll help, things have been tried to be kept back. My name is John Weston. I'm from Indiana. I want to thank Jim Palmisano for bringing me to aware of this radio station. I have a system called uh, AVFS. It's short for Air Vapor Flow System. I've been listening to them for a little over an hour. Different things, uh, different weights, so forth. Uh, it can be found... Uh, if somebody Googles or otherwise search, uh, my name John Weston, and then A for air, V is vapor, F for flow, S for system. Uh, it's a fuel system that causes engines to run on vapors, and no liquid goes to the engine. reduces emissions by up to 70%. Uh, when I was living in Florida, when a hurricane hit, I ran a generator inside uh, in closed attached garage. Uh, with carbon monoxide sensors and so forth. Was able to operate that inside the garage with all doors and windows closed. Was able to run my car in there. Uh, the difference between liquid and vapor, they couldn't figure out why it was on the front page of the newspaper. Uh, it was calculated 463 miles to a gallon. And then even able to run the automobile inside the garage and carbon monoxide sensor. Hey, sir, uh-huh. sir, can we, uh, we're going to have to wrap up this call, but uh, I will work with Jim. Maybe you could come on our call for a different show. Would you Would you be interested in doing that, sir? Absolutely. That'd All be right. great. Let me wrap this, this call up tonight, but I thank you, and Jim Palmasano is probably listening. Jim, I'll be in touch, but uh, we have to say goodbye and say thank you. 
one last time to Lexi Alexander-Hunter and Patrick Roddy. Uh, Patrick, just one final comment. Do not shave that beard, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, look what happened when Samson cut his hair. You know, it all ended badly. I, I tell I you, that beard, that, that beard is, is one scary mass of hair. That's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.